Hi there, and welcome to another episode of She Will Not Be Silenced with Keisha Shields. Today, I have a conversation with a friend, Hanifa Olufemi. Hanifa is a certified marriage, family, business, and divorce mediator and a conflict resolution trainer. Hanifa and her sister have a nonprofit called Choices changing outcomes in children and establishing sustainability. Choice's mission is to offer social, emotional, and physical health support services to families, children with special needs, and those in the foster care system. Today on our episode, Hanifa and I talked about mediating conflict, navigating conflict, resolving conflict, But what I really want you to pay attention to is the conversation and what Hanifa teaches us about starting with self, identifying our own thoughts, our perceptions, expectations, our triggers. I think you're going to get a lot of value out of that. So welcome. And without further ado, here is my conversation with my friend Hanifa Olufemi. Hey, hey, this is Keisha Shields, and I am the hostess of She Will Not Be Silenced, a podcast that's by women, that centers women, and that focuses on all things womanhood. In She Will Not Be Silenced, we talk about leadership, business, career, relationships, wealth, you name it. I hope that you can find the courage to own your voice and tell your stories and that while you listen, you can relax. Hello, everyone. This hello, is hello. Keisha Shields, and I am here with another Conversations with Friends, and I have the lovely Queen Hanifa here with us. And so I know that you all are going to get a lot out of this conversation. I hope that you take notes if necessary and that you can see so much of yourself in the experiences that will be shared. Because it's so important for me that we remember that we are not alone on these journeys, even though it can seem like it sometimes. So thank you so much, Hanifa, for being here with me today. Thank you for inviting me. I feel privileged to be a part of your discussion today. So thank you, Keisha, for, you know, having us a platform where we can begin to discuss issues that touch us in certain ways, but also leaning on each other to learn from each other's experiences. Absolutely. I'm excited. We were just kind of chit-chatting right before coming on. And I always love to do that because it makes me feel excited. And I was talking about how I take so many notes when my co-hosts are talking, you know, I'm, I'm yeah. that girl. Uh, so I'm excited about that. So Ms. Hanifa, tell us yeah. and our listeners, who is Queen Hanifa? Oh, well, thank you. Um, yes, uh, actually, um, that's my African name. And uh, I worked with a beautiful sister named Imara Sophia coming up in Oakland doing violence prevention. And um she just helped me connect to my roots. And actually, Hanifa means truth. And so uh, when she gave me that name, it, uh, as I, in my language, it's staying the brain. And mm-hmm. um, I really love going forward with that name. And uh, so my background, uh, growing up in Oakland, I am a product of Castlemont High School, um, graduated in 90, and um, had a beautiful experience of being a part of youth programs that developed young people to begin to be more aware of their behavior and how we affected our community, how we affected our family, and uh, overall learning about ourselves. I had the privilege of going through a program called Conflict Resolution, and that program that I speak of uh, led me to a uh, platform where, as a young lady, I didn't understand my wealth and my power that I had. But being trained as a mediator in the ninth grade, coming through mediating conflicts on our campus and other high school campuses from ninth grade to the 12th grade, I uh, 
did so well doing our mediations, which is basically training students as mediators to mediate conflicts from he say, she say to uh, the dice games they went on behind mm -hmm. uh, the gym uh, uh, and also, you know, uh, conflicts between, you know, just interpersonally, meaning conflicts between people that know each other. So we went to high, uh, middle school with each other. Now we're in high school. But for some reason, we lost that friendship connection. So we were able, I was taught how to mediate those uh, conflicts so that we can have a better understanding. We didn't make people agree with each other, but we learned the skill of negotiating and learning how to voice our thoughts, our perceptions, and voice our feelings and thus helping others to understand where we were coming from so that we could squash the situations. So um, overall, I come from a family of six children, uh, five girls and one brother. Um, unfortunately, I lost mom at a, a young age. However, I had beautiful, uh, strong women in my family that uh, uh, took that space and raised myself and my siblings yes. in a way that uh, none of us are in jail. None of us are lacking anything, and we're all connected. So I'm very, 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 very blessed in that yeah. manner, yeah. and as well as understanding how, you know, the importance of family. So um, wow. where I'm at now is uh, I'm in the process of completing my master's in educational psychology and looking forward to running our own nonprofit, which exists right now, called Choices changing outcomes in children and establishing sustainability with my sister. Uh, we've been ex in existence since 2016 and now moving into prayerfully uh, implementing our services, hopefully this uh, summer, where we can begin to do workshops, family building, literacy programs, and things of that nature. So I appreciate you. That's incredible. Um, Thank you. So much there in like in your expertise and you know, the experiences that you've had with even getting into, you know, this really being a part of your life's work, you know, to helping to resolve conflict. And I noticed that you brought up a couple of things that I actually um, think would be very useful and helpful to our leaders who are listening to this episode. Um, one of the things that I do um, as a part of my work um, is I help people with the aspect of navigating difficult conversations right um yeah. and so and and i did a training on that when we were doing this um kind of flip it blue it was a political training um that yeah. i was a part of and my session that i taught was on how to have the difficult conversations and in that time it had a lot to do with highly charged like political moral differences between people that yeah. was like in so much heat and so i wanted to kind of bring that back around a little bit to talking to leaders about number one everyday life navigating the everyday relationships um family dynamics um hanifa is something i definitely would like to kind of get your thoughts on in terms of yeah. kind of managing conflict with that um, but let me ask you this. When did you yeah. know that this was like God-given work for you? <laughs> Actually, I think by the time I graduated, because I was, uh, I was trained in the ninth grade by a beautiful woman named Millie Cleveland, uh, who was just a dynamic uh, individual, a dynamic uh, teacher. And overall, once again, a dynamic woman that uh, not in the essence of took place for my mother, however, uh, added to what the women in my life had uh, established with my mom being uh, out of my life. Um, I knew by <laughs> much love. Um, I knew by the time I graduated. Uh, so, for example, I was trained in the ninth grade. It's a part of a three day training where we were trained on conflict resolution skills and concepts of communication, effective listening, effective speaking. And by the ninth grade, excuse me, by the 12th grade, um, I, was a, I was a good student, but uh, by, the ninth, by the 12th grade, I was able to curtail my behavior of cutting class and, you know, just being a, one of them students that didn't take <laughs> education seriously, you know. <laughs> and by the 11th and 12th grade, I began to understand the importance because we were able to uh, teach other students at other schools. We were able to train other young people at middle schools and elementary schools 
in my ninth grade to 12th grade experience with uh, being trained as a mediator. And the 12th grade, I knew um, I had graduated and Millie had said, um, you know, we're going to form our, uh, our violence prevention project. In the, in, in, in the 1990s, there was a lot of violence going on in, um, uh, in Oakland. And so uh, she said, once we get this started, I'm going to let you know. I had went down south to visit some family. And she said, I'm going to call you back and, um, you know, I'm going to have a job for you. And so that's when I knew because everything she said, she had that program established. I came back to Oakland and we began doing work uh, with first the conciliation forms of Oakland and then moving on to the West Oakland Health Council. And that's when the lights came on. We were able to go into the West Oakland community, uh, survey and understand the needs, which one of the biggest needs, like I said, was uh, violence amongst young people. And um, that's when the light bulb came on. I loved what I did by helping people understand how they thought and understand how they were feeling from their thoughts and um, did so well that I was asked to come back and, and take it as a job. So I've actually been doing this work since I was 14, starting being trained and then graduating out of Castlemont in 90 and going into it professionally. Wow, that's excellent, you know, and especially um, when you talk about doing this work in um, especially places like Oakland, right, where there's just this yes. huge um, misconception, quite frankly, in a lot of ways, where there's Correct. a huge perception of the people and especially of the Black youth, um, you know, in that area. But being able to do the work in a place that does, unfortunately, kind of have a higher rates of incarceration among youth, right, amongst, yeah. um, you know, Black people in general, uh, you know, doing this work there. And I will say for those of you listening, and, you know, I won't put, you know, Hanifa on the spot, but Hanifa, actually, her work, she was a mentor to my husband when he was growing up. Um, yes. which I think is, you know, it's beautiful in its, in its own right, you know, so to be able to be doing Thank it you. for such a long time um, and to be uh, using, taking what you have to help the youth, especially, or to help others learn to navigate uh, a lot of the things that are going around them, because violence in itself yeah. is a problem. But what I always tell people you know, and I'm sure you know this, is that there's often so much trauma from yeah. um, the dynamics that existed, you know, around that person, you know, exactly. and it takes someone who has that gifting, ability, that ability to hold space in that capacity for them, you know, so then yeah. let me ask you this, Hanifa, when it comes to yeah. um, managing, navigating conflict, what are some of the biggest um, areas when it comes to, um, let's say, working with youth? What are some of the biggest areas of conflict that have come up for you? Some of the biggest areas is uh, really overall knowledge of self. Um, what I mean by that is understanding their strengths. And like you had mentioned, uh, we have family trauma. We have uh, community trauma. And um, like you said, on some levels, that political trauma uh, with our young people because they don't know how to navigate the system leading into the politics of, you know, why youth don't have programs that reflect their needs. And also looking at the family dynamic, because like myself coming from a, a you know, losing mom at an early age, uh, you know, having, you know, some anger issues behind that, yeah. um, not knowing how to process that because uh, usually in our families, a lot of our families, we don't sit down and discuss what we're thinking and feeling. We sometimes just react. And um, so um, with a lot of youth that came through our programs, and even when I was coming up as a youth doing mediations, um, you know, young people being in foster care, not having any of their family at all, that over years uh, build up a lot of hurt feelings a lot of misperceptions because they don't know who they are and where they yeah. come from. Yeah. So that's why I said that uh, knowledge of self and conflict resolution was a platform for young people to not only learn how to communicate, but through those communication skills, it taught us how to uh, validate ourselves. So for example, being trained as a mediator, we're trained to listen. 
Well, those same listening skills can be applied inter, uh, intrapersonally. And what I mean by intrapersonally is, intra is that focus on self. Interpersonally is between people that know each other. Okay. Um, so those skills were uh, self-developing for helping others, but as well as developing the self. And that was like the secret sauce, I would like to say, uh, of conflict resolution, that when I was being developed and doing mediations for my peers that led it to stay in my brain and to go into my adulthood and it never leave my heart to begin to uh, say, you know, that wheel that was not broken to bring that into my uh, adult life where, you know, I said, you know, we got to teach everybody. Everybody needs the skill, which conflict resolution, once again, helps uh, uh, diffuse disputes in our community, but it also helped diffuse disputes within ourselves. Absolutely. So then that brings me to um, a, a piece of a conversation that I have been kind of having in some of my circles um, with yeah. women, you know, I mean, we're adults now at this point, but how yeah. so much of what we're dealing with has a lot to do with not, as you mentioned, having grown up in families where we didn't talk about how we feel, how we felt about things. It wasn't safe to do so, or the space was not well held to be able to do so. Right. And how Mm -hmm. a lot of that affects how we engage and interact as grown women, you know, other to our partners, to our children, to, you know, whomever. So then let me ask you this, when it comes to, um, resolving conflict or mediating or all of the other beautiful work that you do, what advice might you give to a woman who is, um, has been silenced for quite a while? She's felt silenced um, because she grew up in a place where it was not safe to share. Uh, It was not safe to vocalize your opinion. It was not well received. You know, all of the number of things that can happen. Um, And so, but she realizes now that she needs to speak up now more than ever, that she has a mission here, um, that her voice is valued, that there's a lot that she can bring and to the table, she can shift the world in so many ways. What Bless, advice yes. might you give to that to that woman who is in that point with not being afraid that she's going to be so judged or misconstrued that she's not speaking up and using her voice? Yes. Um, reflecting on self, because uh, coming up, I didn't think that I would be doing the work that I'm doing, let alone speaking out and encouraging others or training others. Okay. Um, that experience of losing mom was uh, uh, when I identified my thoughts. Uh, I lost her at 10 years old, so I didn't know a lot about her. Mm. However, that void that was there left me feeling abandoned. It left me feeling um, un- a little insecure about what does it even mean to be a woman? Because to me, that's where we find our foundation of, you know, mm. painting toenails with mama and doing mama playing in mama's hair. And I, even though I got to do those things with my grandmothers and my great grandmothers and my aunties, it's just like, it's something missing when it's not mama. So first I would say it's, whatever hurt has come your way from whatever that experience is, experience is or was, is identifying your thoughts, understanding how do, you know, how were you thinking from having that uh, experience of being uh, alienated or shut down or told that your voice does not count. Then I would say, identify the emotions. Okay, so using myself as an example, the emotions that came up, like I said, was abandonment. I was insecure. I felt unsure about myself. And so once you identify those things, then you identify. So what I'm saying is the focus is on self first. So before we step out into that arena of, you know, vocalizing ourselves, we interpersonally do that inventory on ourselves. And once again, this is using those conflict resolution skills of effectively listening. So when you understand your perception, when you understand your assumptions about your situation, uh, emotions about it, Mm -hmm. understanding your, 
expectations. What do you expect uh, out of being able to now put your voice out there? Your values. What is my value on even wanting to be a woman that needs to be heard? Excuse me. And um, a young lady or a woman that wants to begin to uh, put herself out there where you're going to still get that heat because people are going to come at you. And it's the triggers identifying the triggers that we have inside. So for example, if I know um, I don't like to be cut off when I'm talking and someone constantly cuts me off, I have to identify how I think and and how I feel when that happens. So that's why I'm saying when you begin to understand, you know, your perceptions, how you're feeling about it, the importance, and especially uh, what you need others to understand about who you are and where that trauma comes from, and then helping them to understand, and then also, you know, saying, you know, what you may need to understand from that, from that other person, or that platform you're speaking on, so the, to, you know, put that in a nutshell, the advice I would, I would say, start off with self, Mm -hmm. identify where you are, and, and kind of processing those, uh, those thoughts, and those emotions, so that when you get on that platform to begin to speak out because it is very important to know our strengths and uh, our weaknesses that we're not triggered when we have responses that comes from others that feel like they're countering us. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And you yes, know, ma'am. you mentioned something um, that I wanted to uh, bring forth and actually yes. talk a little bit about, which was in terms of starting with self which is about identifying your expectations. And I wanted to get a little bit more insight on you from that because, you know, I've heard over the years and I've witnessed it in my own experiences that oftentimes the most disappointment we have comes from our expectations (laughs) that we had of the other person, of the situation, of insert, you know, blank, whatever it is, right? Yeah. starting with self how do we identify our expectations how do we even know how to Mm -hmm. set them and Hanifa how do we deal Mm -hmm. with the disappointment and grief with those expectations not being met or what we thought they might be Beautiful question. Yes, in conflict resolution, your expectations uh, focus on what you thought should have happened. So, for example, going to a a, a high school example, um, you wake up in the morning, you usually, you know, mama leaves you that $5 on the table so you can get you some lunch. Mm-hmm. In, in the town, uh, in Oakland, you know, mama yeah. was at least able to give you 2 or $3 you right. know, for you uh-huh. to get you something for lunch <laughs> because, you know, we may not see her by the time we get back from school and stuff. So right. um, expectations is what you thought should have happened. So with that scenario, you wake up, you don't see your, your $5 on the table because today that $5 is going to be a part of that meal, you know, because you saved up a couple of your change through the week. And, you know, you were going to get that, that burrito instead of that cheese fries or something right. like that. Uh-huh. And um, you don't see that $5 on the table, on, 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 the, on your dresser. So it instantly, because your expectation has been set that mama leaves you that $5, you now have a feeling that comes from that. Most of the times it's like, oh, man. Mama didn't leave the money. She said she was going to leave the money up here. Mm-hmm. And so you're a little frustrated. You're a little bent out of, you know, out of place. And so identifying that, depending on who you are and how you handle being a little frustrated or feeling like you, uh, you know, not get, are not getting what you expected, then you identify how you react to that. Some of us react where we have an attitude all day and we're snappy. Some of us react to that and are quiet because of, a, you know, depending on our personality, whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, you know, an introvert being that you're more to yourself and you don't express too much in a, uh, in a, uh, 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 extrovert meaning, you know, you kind of, man, you know, mama didn't leave it. And you know, you kind of vitting on your, uh, on your peers and stuff. So when we identify how we react to not having our expectations met, we then can process that. And it's, it's hard because expectations is the biggest point. Or for example, if, you know, you go to work and, you know, you expect your check to be right all the time. Well, I put in the work. 
I expect my money to be on, on, on point. And so, you know, when you see that, you have reactions. So the point being is with expectations, we have to prepare ourselves as adults to know that these things sometimes are not going to happen. It's harder when we are, are younger because being young, we're kind of like, you know, in that tunnel vision. It's supposed to be this way. This is how it's supposed to go. As adults, we have to learn that in life, our expectations will always uh, be dropped, not only by others, but sometimes ourselves. So if I expect to get up one time and that clock uh, didn't ring when it was supposed to, now I'm irritated because maybe I have a history of being late. And now I got to go into work and listen to the boss tell me, you know, this is your fourth and fifth time, you know, and Mm -hmm. it, 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 it triggers us and we have certain emotions. So one of the things that we have to do is to begin to know that expectations can be dropped from ourselves as well as, you know, not met by others. And because we are aware of that, we now know how to react to our triggers. So, you know, back to that youngster who uh, mama didn't leave, you know, that $5 on the, on the table. Well, now maybe, you know, I can ask my sister, did mama leave you yours? You know, can I borrow a little bit from you? So we find a way to make up for that lacking expectation, whether it be from someone else or, you know, from ourselves. And so like in that example of getting to work and that alarm clock didn't go off, don't beat yourself up. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Try to, you know, prepare yourself. Okay. I'm late. I got to go into this, uh, you know, into work. I know the supervisor is going to be, you know, kind of on my tail because I've been late uh, a couple of times. So what I'm saying is just that thought process, of, pro- of, of taking yourself through that thought process kind of uh, uh, it kind of diffuses the emotion of being irritated now because you got to hear your boss run their mouth you know what I'm yes. saying yes and, and so that's the piece so when it comes to our expectations when they're not met process our thoughts and our feelings and it kind of like goes back to that central piece of conflict resolution. And that's why conflict resolution skills are so valuable and beautiful because not only can you use it with others, it can be used with yourself. So once you process that, you know, usually you're irritated when you get into work and dealing with that boss, but now you know, you calm down. And so when you get that energy, that's going to come from that boss, you have statements that you're ready for and you actually go into validating and validating is Basically, uh, it is repeating what you heard the person say. However, validation when it comes to self is, you know what, boss, you feel me? I've been late and I know I have. And you know what? Thank you for your encouragement. Even though it don't come the way I need it to come or the words don't sound encouraging, I know that this is about my accountability. So you know what? You know, if you can use some more helpful words like, you know, inspiring me instead of just saying, you know, and coming with that ugly face. You know, it, it, it'll help me be on time. Yeah. So if that, you know, makes sense where we begin to process what we think about that expectation not being met and then also being able to respond in a validative way where we diffuse the emotions from going higher because one, in the example with going to work, we own our behavior. And then as that child who didn't get that $5 says, you know, mama tired. Mama did not leave me the, the money on purpose. You know what I'm saying? Mama working, you know, maybe the father's not in the home. Maybe, you know what I'm saying? They got more than just one sibling. I mean, excuse me, more than just that one child in the home. And they have to share monies with, uh, you know, their sisters and brothers. And this yeah. one time, you know, mama didn't leave me the money. Expectations when they're not met doesn't mean the other person and yourself meant to do it to, do, to be nasty or to be contradictive in that matter. And so even though there's times when, you know, people are trying to be nasty, but I think in the family dynamic and especially with ourselves, we don't intentionally try to not meet our expectations, but something happens and we have to remember those things and process it. Absolutely. And that actually, that was very helpful. And also it it segues right into what I wanted to um, uh, talk about next, which was family dynamics. And especially family dynamics as adults. Um, I wanted to, like, I was having another conversation with a friend episode, and we were talking about how she had uh, been going to therapy, you know, uh, in recent times. 
and you know really was working through some of the i guess expectations that she had on her mother on her parents right and needing to know yeah. conflict that kind of resulted you know from that and you yeah. know i know you talked about you know losing your mom at a young age which i send my condolences to you um no Thank matter you. the age i think that's you know yeah. a life-transforming circumstance you know um and we were talking about because like i know i my dad i lost my dad last year and you know it was just when i tell you it's not an easy thing to navigate and along with that something that i have that have been heightened since then is family dynamics (laughs) right you know how they say like sometimes the passing of someone brings up so much heightened emotions for all the other yeah. people that were around. Um, and so yeah. I wanted to kind of see like, what do you suggest or recommend um, for navigating high-end family dynamics, specifically when they are not dynamics that you can avoid? So sometimes you might have to interact with these people on a daily basis. Maybe you all still live together for whatever reason, right? And you're not able yeah. to avoid them or go into your place and kind of, you know, have time and space. How do you yeah. navigate that, especially as leaders who are leading empires and brands and community initiatives of our own? How do we protect our energetic space, our physical space, our mental space? and navigate the conflict that is arising within our homes, within our immediate family dynamics. Yes, and that's so important because um, uh, I use conflict resolution as a base, and it's something that also helped me and my family dynamic in understanding myself and, you know, interacting with loved ones that we sometimes fall out with or we don't understand. Uh, It's a funny story I like to tell is – uh, coming up, I bought my home at an early age, and um, uh, it seemed like, you know, I didn't need that much help. And so when I went to grandma, and, you know, I said, mama, you know, I feel like, you know, I ain't getting the same love as everybody else, you know, and, um, you know, trying to do my best to, uh, you know, be an example of, you know, of what my grandmother taught me. Yeah. And so she told me, she says, baby, everybody don't need the same thing. And because of who you are, you just happen to be more independent and more focused because of your life and your experience. Mm-hmm. And that sh- shined the light on my experience with conflict resolution and being taught how to express myself, how to effectively think, how to effectively speak. And so mama wasn't telling me that I was better than anybody in my family. What she said, what she was explaining was exposure. When we are when we are exposed to certain uh, dynamics and environments, it adds to our character. And so because I was developed as a youth, I didn't get into the, you know, hanging on the block, uh, getting wrapped up in the guys who had the nice trues and bogues on their car and, you know, following up behind the boys. And so a lot of my training and exposure led me to do more of going to city councils meetings and understanding how the you know, the city ran and going to uh, uh, female and male workshops where we learned more about ourselves. So uh, in that is where we, uh, you know, where I was able to see and I said, oh, the light bulb came on. Mama is just letting me know that how we live our lives have a lot to do with who we are when we become adults. So when we become adults and we hit that mark where, you know, we have a lot of anger and resentment inside of us, We have to learn, once again, going back to ourselves. We have to understand what we think about that situation so that we can communicate what we're thinking and feeling about uh, a dynamic that happened in the family. Like in my situation, thinking, you know, mama was loving on everybody else more than she was loving on me. But I had to, you know, sit down with mama. I couldn't just keep on looking at mama out the corner of my eye and, you know, saying she loved him more than me because our my grandmama also used to say thoughts are things so as we think we can create that 
that that that that vision of you know her loving on somebody else more and then because i have that thought that thought now is creates an emotion and then it creates a behavior mm-hmm. so had i not had the exposure that i had i probably wouldn't have understood what mama was saying uh you know that self-development that i had coming up as a, a, a youth in violence prevention i would have misunderstood her but it freed my soul so what it began to help me to do once again, when it goes back to that question, when the, you know, when I seen that this was a God-given gift, I had to share my skills with my family. I had to share my skills with a larger community, and I had to uh, develop my skills where I could teach uh, the world in my eyes as we wanted to take conflict resolution on a more international level where individuals started off with self and then addressing the situation with the other person, because what happens in that, we become examples and we're not reacting to our thoughts and feelings when we talk to that person. Because people, as we go you know, to our expectations as well, we expect them to listen and take it in, not so much as tell us that we're right, but at least somehow, some way acknowledge what we're thinking and feeling. Yeah. But because the other person may be harboring the same thoughts and feelings that you are, we clash. We begin to argue with each other. Well, yeah, mama loved me more than you because you wasn't around. Mama raised me. You know what I'm saying? You was raised by somebody else. You know, putting that a little piece of example in there. And so we go back and forth. So the family dynamic we have to once again start off with ourselves, how we think and feel about whatever that is, and then find the safe space where we don't go to each other when we're angry. Yeah. You know, nothing ever happens in a uh, in a conversation when we come at each other when we instantly are are triggered, especially when it comes to negative feelings, yeah. and even sometimes yeah. in happy feelings. Because even though you're happy, once again, that person we don't know where they are. Right. So. That family dynamic is creating an arena where everybody can talk about their perceptions, their assumptions, their emotions, their expectations, their values and their needs and perceptions being how they see, you know, what's going on in the family. The assumptions is what do they assume is, you know, from their perception about what happened in the family, their emotions, what emotions came up for from how they see things and how they were assuming things. And like we're talking upon too, that expectation, what do we expect from our family members and, you know, how we value the family and overall what we need that family to understand about, you know, like in my example of mama, my mother dying. So with my siblings, before I could just let loose on them, I have to understand those things um, about myself. So if my sister spent a little bit more time with my mother because she's uh, a little older than me, I can't just spew at her because of my experience of not being with mama that long because I was younger in years and more in a, you know, in a childish mind yeah. versus my sister being a little bit older about what I hear about mama. So it's, that starting off with self and then creating those safe arenas that we talk to each other and making sure that we don't come at each other when we're triggered because when we're triggered we ain't no good for ourselves and we ain't no good for somebody else and that's where once again girl you feel me conflict resolution comes in because we're we have a we have a a, um, a phase that's called case development so in that case development, code switching it to the family dynamic, you find that safe person that, you know, you like to talk to. Maybe it's mama's sister. Maybe it's a TT. Maybe it's grandma to set the stage to begin to express yourself about what you think is going on in the family. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah. Wow. You said a lot there. And I, I <laughs> mean, seriously, because I like, you know, I have these conversations you know so often with adults right mm-hmm. and you yeah. know you hear what the issues are and you we often feel like we're the only ones you know and that's why yeah. at the very beginning I said I want you all to know that you're not alone because like someone yeah. may come to me and 
start talking about this issue that they're having with the dynamic between them and their parent navigating it as an adult, like not even referring to what (laughs) happened when I was a child, but what happened to me yesterday with my mama, right? Um, And then they may not realize that I had another person who told me the same thing just one week ago. Like we often feel like we're on this island by ourselves Um, Mm -hmm. trying to navigate it and we do so in silence because there is this misconception that when you are in leadership especially when you are rising into more high profile levels of leadership that there is this huge misconception that this person is perfect. This is perfect dynamic, right? Um, Right. You don't have any issues especially if someone is well known in the community or if they're mm-hmm. well known in their in their arena or if they're mm-hmm. financially successful like we have all mm-hmm. these different ideas of mm-hmm. what is going on and that we feel sometimes like we have to keep up this image right that yeah. you know because we're a leader we can't let people see us in a vulnerable <laughs> state and though so we often yeah suffer in silence and it doesn't always have to be that you tell it publicly but like you mentioned it is important that you do have a safe space to talk and address those things right that's critical and so what i wanted to say too i wanted to ask you about a personal experience of yours hanifa have you ever had to utilize uh conflict resolution skills in personal friendships that you have had or have you kind of cultivated like a certain standard of relationship in your friendship so that you've never needed to do that how has that worked for you as an or as an adult yes definitely when I was younger um, (laughs) coming up like you said uh, when I was doing it you know coming up as a youth you know, I felt like, oh, I don't, you know, I don't have any problems, even though I did. But because I was teaching the skill, I was able to diffuse a lot of what was going on. I noticed more of using conflict resolution in my adulthood personally. So teaching it to others, you kind of have it under wraps. But when you become an adult and you begin to get into those situations, uh, I used to tell my, my nieces and my nephews that the hardest time to utilize conflict skills is when, when you're in them shoes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> when you have to, you know, apply the listening and the, you know, the effect of speaking. Yes. So um, for me, uh, I saw it more in my adulthood. And even now, as I uh, grow into uh, the position of completing my master's and um, beginning to uh, continue, rather, uh, directing our nonprofit with my sister, our nonprofit is Choices. And um, Sometimes I find myself needing to do a mental check when I sit down with different uh, entities that say they want to do the same work, but um, I can see what I learned uh, coming up, the poverty pimping in them. (laughs) And what I mean by that is a lot of programs will come into our communities, want to pour money into our communities, but they want to just drain our brains and then somehow don't apply those monies in the community the way the community needs them. Mm. So that's where I find my struggle now, where I often go into what I call the intrapersonal conflict mediation for self. It's a concept that I um, um, dearly want to put together and take some more time because um, conflict resolution is taught as a mediator, you're mediating others. But uh, prayerfully, I'll be able to put together the concept of mediating self and applying our skills. And so I find myself, uh, once again, because, you know, I have the skill down pat not to react. You know how you put on that face. You know, them thoughts might be going in your Mm -hmm, head, but, you know, mm -hmm. you got that smile on your face. (laughs) And so (laughs) afterwards, like you said, finding that safe space with self. And I ask myself, so what's your perception about what just happened? Shoot, they poverty pimping. You know what I'm saying, honey? But they poverty pimping. Yes. But okay, how you feel about that? Well, you know, what's your expectations on that? So I find myself taking myself through those things in order to sharpen myself so that when I sit down with them again, I'm transparent. So it's nothing wrong with thinking that, you know, entities are coming into our community and they are, are misplacing 
the funds or not applying the funds the way that we want them to. However, I have to have accountability of how I express that to them. And that goes back to difficult conversations. It's difficult to have that conversation if I have not processed what I'm thinking and I'm feeling. Because at the end of the day, the important thing is the community. And that's what I remind myself. This is not about me. It's about making sure when these entities come into our communities that our voice is heard and that even if they have their agenda, how can I get them to understand how that's affecting me and my thought process and feelings? And now how do we get to that commonality of them needing to come into our community and utilize our community and our people and still at the end of the day, make sure that poverty pimping ain't going on. So it's that dynamic with self where we begin to identify defuse so that we can come back to the, to the table and have these difficult conversations but not in the heat of how we're thinking and feeling, but after processing and being transparent about what we think and what we feel. Make sense? Yes, yes. So, so Hanifa, yeah. what do yeah, people queen. do? And I'm specifically, no, especially referring to adult, adult women, yes. right? What mm-hmm. do people do when they are in the heat and they have not yet gotten to the point, how can they get to the point where they're not reacting in the heat? Because oftentimes we grow up in that dynamic and that is what you know, that is what you carry into it. I personally don't have that issue. Like that's, I'm, I always, I can take a step back right? I can take a yeah. breath. I can, I like yeah. to think my thoughts through first so that I'm communicating clearly. But a lot of right. people are challenged and they struggle with that. They're in the heat, especially when there's something, an impassioned dynamic, whether it's a family yeah. thing or whether it's handling business when you're at the table and you feel like you're being taken advantage of, right? It could be yeah. so many things when people have not been brought up in or haven't learned or been taught the skills, how can mm-hmm. they start to develop a relationship with themselves where they can get out yes. of the heat before reacting? Well, stra- yes, I was going to say straight up, they got to be real with themselves. They have to look at themselves. For example, uh, loving conflict resolution so much. Uh, coming up, because, you know, the black dynamic, we slap hands and, you know, we give each other those high fives. Yes. And um, I always think in my mind that I'm my first patient. So I like to use myself as, as examples. Well, I would get so happy about people getting the skills that I, you know, you, we'd hold hands out and I slap and I'll slap. And then, you know, it would be so hard that they'll come back and shake their hand and say, dang, Hanifa, you slapped my hand heck hard. And so... <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But I'll be so juiced and so happy about, you know, passing on that love, as I call it, um, that over, I mean, for years, Queen, for years. So not only students, but a lot of my family members would not reach their hand out to me and slap my hand. And I used to be like, don't you feel me? Don't you feel me? They'd be like, I feel you, girl, but you ain't slapping my hand that hard. <laughs> so that's what I mean by self-reflecting. So what I began to do is, one, I had, you know, when I would do that, I would just explain to him, well, I just, I'm just excited. I'm just excited. And so what I had to do was, one, identify when I got excited and that when I slapped the hand that I, like now I'm verbally saying this to myself, okay, Rhonda, slap the hand, but don't slap it too hard because everybody tell you, you do that, you slap too hard. Yeah. So to answer that question, that's what I mean by be real with yourself. Be able to take in the criticism. Sometimes criticism is not structured in the way that we can hear it and it triggers us. However, we still have to hear that criticism. And if, and if the people are important, like in my situation, the people are uh, important to me, I'm going to take that in and begin to self-reflect. So I was able to take that criticism and begin to not slap so hard. So instead of slapping the hands because I wanted that, you know, that touch, as we do in our black culture, you know, I might, you know, give them an elbow. We tap our elbows together or, you know what I'm saying? I began to say, instead of, you know, slapping the hands, I would say, all right now. So, you know, it became a verbal uh, uh, 
expression rather than slapping the person's hand. So even though I'm not slapping hands, I'm still being able to express that happiness. And so that's what I mean by, you know, being able to look at yourself take in that criticism and then critique it. So it wasn't that I couldn't express my happiness anymore, but because I didn't want to, you know, hurt my people because they were telling me that slap was too hard. <laughs> I still was able to, to be happy and I was able to express that to them. And I'll say, I'm not going to slap your hand, but I'm going to say, all right now, because I'm happy that they got the information and the knowledge from me. So once again, it's about being transparent with self and understanding how we look at ourselves. So if you come with a narcissistic type of attitude that, oh, you tripping, you just don't want to slap my hand. You know what I said was right. You know what I'm saying? I'm, that's uh -huh. doing too much. Uh -huh. You know, we can't be narcissistic just because we think we know something. And because the majority of people say what we got is good, we still got to slow down and know that our behavior affects others and it's, it affects ourselves. So we have to be honest with ourselves. If, is this for me? Or is this dynamic that's going on for us? Or is this dynamic for the other person? So for me, the dynamic was the happiness that it was for all of us, that people got this skill and I was still able to be a, uh, to express that happiness, not only through slapping hands, but I found other ways to have that exhale and be happy and share that. So now I'm glad to say, Keisha, I don't slap hands too hard. <laughs> no more. You know what I'm saying? Yes. But um, I use my words more now. And that's mm -hmm. something that's very uh, uh, important, too. Uh, education. We got to get out of our comfort zones thinking that because of the way that we were raised, that this is it. The, the world is much larger and people's experiences are valid. Yeah. And when we are able to share those experiences, we understand each other more, uh, excuse me, more across cultures, across genders, uh, you know, across platforms, whether it be political, whether it be uh, family, whether it be financial, you see what I'm saying? That we get more knowledge about these arenas and then we uh, look at ourselves and see how it affects us going back to that effective listening. So far as our perceptions and our assumptions and so forth, that we now have a balance so that we can begin to, to develop as mature adults when we have these conversations with others and ourselves that we're more transparent and that we can shake loose those negative feelings and then replace them with the positive feelings of growing as individuals and growing with each other. Yes, absolutely. Honey, for Thank what you. is it that you want um, to be remembered for? Oh, blessings. <laughs> I want to be remembered for loving myself. Okay. I want to be remembered for showing that so that others can take that on for themselves. And I say that, Keisha, because coming up as a, a youth, I didn't love on me as much as I was, uh, uh, I think that I should have, mm -hmm. because learning that skill, that skill was helping people come together to diffuse or to squash situations. And so I found myself when it came time to myself, I couldn't even, you could ask me, what do I want to eat? I turn around and say, what you want to eat? <laughs> mm -hmm. Or they say, where you want to go? I would be like, uh, where you want to go? Right. So I want to be remembered of remembered as learning how, and I think it's a lifelong journey of loving self so that we can love on others, Keisha, mm -hmm. because without loving ourselves, understanding ourselves, we ain't no good for nobody. And I think that we are this, we are a bucket of just, of, 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 of responding to our triggers and putting on fake faces when we come to certain family arenas, you know, uh, 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 other arenas that, you know, that we interact in socially and interpersonally, that we wear a face so that we are mimicking what we think others want rather than actually being ourselves. And so loving on yourself will help you to not only be able to train others, teach others, uh, lead others. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, in some of those arenas as, as, as powerful, black, beautiful women, but loving yourself will even let you say to that person, I don't know. 
You see what I'm saying? And be okay with that because sometimes we ain't got all the answers. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we need to go to those sounding boards, as I call them, where we're not looking for someone to respond. We just need people to listen. You know what I'm saying? And so the more we begin to love ourselves, we can be a living example of showing others how to love themselves. And so we become these transparent beings without putting on fake faces in order to mature as the beautiful flowers that we all are. Yeah. All I, I believe all of us are diamonds once we are shaved down and, you know what I'm saying, shaped up. But you'll never see your diamond unless you know how to love yourself so that you can love on others. Much love, Queen. I don't think there's nothing else to be said after that. <laughs> I mean, like, I'm going to just let yes. the people sit with that because yes. there's love so much yourself. power in those words, you Thank know, you, because we're, we we mm-hmm. don't often hear it from others, yes. to be honest. Yeah. Um, yes, I agree. Many of us don't hear those words. We say them to others. We believe it when yes. we say it to others. But we yes. don't often get to hear those words spoken to us. And I think that yes. was a, a beautiful uh, acknowledgement, you know, to yes. all the women that are listening to them and also some fellas. Yes. Fellas love on, yeah, exactly. Men and them, women. You know, exactly, which I love about yes. that. So, Hanifa, where can um people where can our listeners learn more about you where can they find you in your work yes um currently our office is in oakland california at 7801 edgewater drive suite 3000 and our website is choiceswellnessacademy.org and our phone number is 510 810- Eight seven two zero eight four five. That once again is five one zero eight seven two zero eight four five. Our website is Choices Wellness Academy, and the address is seven eight zero one Edgewater Drive, Oakland, California nine five eight. Excuse me, I'm sorry, nine four six two one. Appreciate you, Keisha. That's awesome. And for everyone who is listening to this podcast episode, um, if you go over to our podcast site at KeishaShields.com slash podcast, you'll be able to find my co-host episode with Hanifa. And I will have the link to the website there and contact details so that you can uh, connect with and follow up and continue this dialogue, you know, you know, as you all see fit. So you can go to KeishaShields.com slash podcast, and you'll be able to find the link in the event you weren't able to write it down as you were listening. You can go there and I'll have the link um, along with Hanifa's details, her bio, et cetera, for you there. You'll be able to find it. Hanifa, thank you so much for joining us. So, with friends. I'm excited. So welcome, Queen Keisha. Yes. Thank you so much. And is there any final things you wanted that you would like to say for women to help them with not feeling like they have to self-silence anymore or not being afraid to, uh, or to stop being afraid to let others silence them at this time? Any parting words? Yes. I, mm-hmm. I would like to say, find a safe sounding board. And what I mean by that is, A lot of times we're not looking for answers, but we're looking for people to listen. And so safe sounding boards would be people that you trust, that you know care about you, and that share some of the same ideology that you do to move on forward to do whatever work that you're trying to begin uh, at your platform. And overall, love on yourself. When you look into the mirror, let self know that I am somebody, that I can, that I will, Always with the grace and the help of God, first and foremost. But overall, you cannot love somebody else if you do not love yourself. I appreciate everyone for listening, and I hope this has been helpful. I appreciate Keisha in beginning this platform, and I look forward to coming back anytime that she calls and to support Keisha in any way that we can. So other women that are out there, please uh, chime in to Keisha. If you have an issue or something that you want to talk about, contact her because I appreciate her today where she has added to my confidence and my self-love today about moving choices on with my sister to begin to educate people about effective communication, having difficult conversations, and most importantly, learning how to love ourselves.
Honey, Brady. your work is so needed. You are so welcome. Um, the work you. is so needed, you know, and if that, you. you know, just so that you hear those words, um, you know, it's, it's needed. And there's so much value in it, especially as we're navigating life in these current yeah. times. Uh, and I'm yeah. not just talking about the pandemic. I'm talking about Correct. life itself. You Man, know? exactly, um, Queen. So much that we need from this. And so I urge you all to really take in the words that Hanifa has shared, especially about loving self so that we can learn from each other. And I have yeah. made some notes here that I will share um, in, my, in this intro that you all will hear. And we just want to send you all so much love and blessings. And yes, ta-ta for now until the next episode. Bye-bye, everyone. Bye-bye. While you're here, go ahead and subscribe to the She Will Not Be Silenced podcast. You can hit the subscribe button and you'll be notified as any new episodes become available. And go ahead and check out KeishaShields.com slash podcast where you can let me know if there's any particular topic you'd like to hear me discuss or if you want to join in on the conversation. While you're there, you can enroll in a complimentary leadership class on She Will Not Be Silent and check out any additional leadership programming available.